All right. So I was going to share this message a couple of weeks ago, but uh, the Lord had other plans. And then I had a, another sermon I was going to preach this morning than yesterday. The Lord's like, no, I preached that one you had two weeks ago. Oh, yes, yes. Thank you so much because I really want this. Before I get into the sermon, good ones come up because this is a sweet, awesome testimony. This is, this is really cool. Phil's going to share uh, what happened in his family here recently. Hey, hey. I think I, think I know most all you guys. Um, this is Finn, my lovely wife, Jessie. Got a little girl coming in January. Um, so, yeah, about, uh, I was probably a month and a half, two months ago now, um, my, I get a call. I was actually at a meeting in Atlanta with a client uh, for work, and I get a call, and I missed from my uncle, and I was like, I'm in the middle of a meeting. can't answer this. Well, Jesse texts me. Careful. You want to get down? Yeah. Okay. Um, Jesse texts me and says, you might want to call your uncle back. It sounds like your grandmother is, like, about to die. And I was like, oh, gosh, okay. So we took a break in the meeting, and I called my uncle, and uh, he says, yep. Yeah, um, so grandmother, grandmama, we called her grandmama. Um, she, uh, her oxygen level dropped from in the 90s, which is normal, down to like 60-something, which basically means you're going to die any minute. So they, um, she wasn't really like super conscious, kind of just mumbling. So they called, they were calling all the family and having everyone on speakerphone to just say bye to grandmama. And I was like, oh gosh, okay, I'm, you know, I'm at WeWork in Atlanta for a meeting and telling bye to my grandmother while I'm sitting across from this girl who I'm like in a meeting with, you know. It was a little strange. Uh, so I was like, well, okay. So I just, it was just heavy on my heart. I was driving home, and I, I, you know, I was like, do I need to leave the meeting? Or he's like, no, no, just go ahead and just stay by now. You know, I was like, okay. So I'm, after the meeting, I'm driving home and uh, just praying and talking to the Lord. It's just heavy on me to, I was like, has anyone shared the gospel with my grandmother recently? You know, like my whole family is believers. But my grandmother, uh, I think it's kind of been like an impossible prayer of my dad's for decades that she would like come to the Lord. And um I'm talking right now. You can sit with, you can stand with me if you want. Um, so, uh, so I'm driving back, and I just went straight to my aunt and uncle's house where she was. She'd been staying there, and I, I went in. She was out, unconscious, and my uncle was in there. My dad has two brothers, so my uncle, both my uncles were in there, and I was like, well, I, you know, I can't. She's not really in a state to share with. And so um, I went home, found out Jesse and Finn had gone by earlier in the day to say goodbye. And it was like the only time she perked up when Finn came in the room. He, she, he was the only great-grandson. So uh, I think that's the only thing she remembered from that day was Finn coming in. But Jesse prayed for her while they were there. So the next morning, you know, it's just kind of like the hospice nurse is like, it's just any minute, you know, maybe a couple hours, maybe, you know, just not long until she's gone. So the next morning I get a call from my dad, and we're in the kitchen. And my dad goes, well, her name was Suzette. And my dad goes, well, we're calling her Lazarette because um, she, uh, she got up this morning. She's like, your Uncle Keith slept by her bed, and she, he woke up at 5.30 to her grabbing his ankle, saying, I need to go to the bathroom. So she got up, went to the bathroom, and so she was like, he's like, she's totally fine today. And uh, he goes, it must have been whatever Jesse prayed for. And I was like, he's on speakerphone. I was like, Jesse, what did you pray for my grandmother? And she goes, I just prayed that she'd be able to hear the gospel again before she died. And I was like, oh, boy, I got to go share with her. Um... <laughs> And so, uh, so that morning I had Finn. It was just like a, a Finn and Dad morning. So I was like, I got to go over there and, and just lay it out for her and see if she knows. And so I go over there, and I was like, how am I going to do this? Like, Finn, you know, it's, it's a little bit tough to have a serious conversation with a two-year-old running around. My aunt and uncle, they're believers, but their theology is a little different than mine. So I just, I was like, ah, this could be awkward. This could be really weird to try and share with her if, you know, I got a lot of people in the room with me like it was the day before. And so I get over there, I called Greg, uh, go calf on the way over, I was like, dude, I need some courage, you know, family dynamics, and sharing the guy, it's just, you just don't know how they're going to receive it, and it's just, you know, I was afraid. And so I get, uh, I get there, I walk in, my uncle's like on his way out, he's like, I'm going to the doctor, I'll see you later. I was like, oh, okay, one down. And then my, uh, I go into, my aunt's like, your grandmother's back in the room back there, so I go back there with Finn, no one's in there except me, her, and Finn. I'm like, okay. I, I look out the window, and my aunt's outside to walk in the backyard. I'm like, okay, two down. And then Finn goes, I'm going to go play with Aunt Lisa. I was like, three down. Go ahead, buddy. And I was like, okay, so I have alone time with my grandmother who's fully conscious, sitting in bed. So I had about 15 or 20 minutes, and I just shared uh, my story. I shared stories from uh, just the Gospels, you know, the woman at the well. And my grandmother had my oldest uncle when she was 17, 16 or 17. And that was, this is like, you know, 70-something years ago. So it's a lot of shame. I know that she grew up 
with as a mom. And um, anyway, she's just never talked about any of that stuff before. So I'm just sharing with her and telling her my own story. I just said, you know, I was like, you're, I was like, unless something crazy happens, you're closer to seeing Jesus face to face than I am. And I just want that to be a joyful time, not a sad time for you. And I was like, it's the biggest moment of your existence. And uh, so I just, I talked with her for 15, 20. She just listened. She sat there and just looked at me and listened. And I was like, so I just wanted you to know all that. And uh, yep, I just wanted you to know all that. And she goes, I was like, she goes, I, she, she was holding my hand the whole time. We were holding hands. And she said, I, I do know that. And I was like, okay, cool. All right. So I left, and I was like, all right, God, I guess it's up to you now. And uh, so over the next few days, this was like on a Tuesday morning, so the next few days, my aunt and uncle had shared with her, I've been reading some Bible stories with her in the Gospels and all around. And so then on Monday, we're having dinner with the Luffs at our house, and my phone rings, and it's my uncle, and I'm like, okay, maybe we got another emergency on our hands, maybe we should answer this time. So I answer it. He's like, hey, can I speak with Jesse? Is she there? I was like, uh, I was like, I mean, we're having dinner with some friends right now, but I can have her call you back unless it's an emergency. I just picked up because last time you called me, Grandmama was like about to die, so I had to call to say bye, you know. And he's like, well, it's kind of an emergency. He's like, Grandmama wants to be baptized, and I was like, you can talk to Jesse, that's fine. And um, so they wanted to have, they wanted to baptize her here at the Y, at the pool down there. And uh, so my uncle knew that Jesse had some connections here from working here for so long. And so uh, that was a Monday night. The t- Tuesday night, the next night, my grandmother got baptized in the pool down here at the Y. And uh, with about 30 or 40 people, straight up dunked. Like, like let, they, they pick the Y because they have a wheelchair, accessible chair, you know, sits in it and it kind of spins around down the water. So my dad and his brother baptized their mom, holding her like full out in the water and just like going. I mean, it's probably been like decades since this lady's been submerged in water. And um, she came up, and uh, we were, everyone was singing, and she was super smiley, super happy. It was really cool. I mean, I hadn't really seen my grandmother smile like that. And, um, and uh, we had dinner with her that Friday night, and a bunch of family was kind of around. We had like a little Shabbat, little uh, Sabbath dinner together. It was really great. Um, my other grandma was there as well who lives in town. I don't think she's a believer. And uh, the next day, she had a stroke, and she died within like 24, 48 hours. So she uh, came, like, came to the Lord like after the 11th hour. Like she was supposed to die, lived, heard the gospel, believed, got baptized, and then she died. And um, so it's, uh, it's been a super cool thing for my family. My uncle, who's uh, the oldest, the one that she had when she was 17, uh, I think it's kind of shaken him up a little bit in a good way. Uh, he grew, you know, he's spent years and years in a homosexual lifestyle. He's in his 70s now, so he's kind of out of the lifestyle, but, um, you know, he's, it's, it's been really neat um, for our family. So I'm praying for an opportunity to share with my mom's mom, who lost her husband when my mom was six years old, and uh, it's pretty bitter, so I want to be able to share with her. So if any of you guys could keep me in your prayers for having an opportunity to share with grandma, that'd be awesome. So God's good. Yeah. That's so awesome, man. Yeah, let's just pray for that right now. Lord, we pray for Phil's other grandmother, Lord, that she would hear the gospel and believe, that she would call upon the name of the Lord and be saved, Lord. We just pray, Father, that she will not pass until she hears the gospel and calls upon the name of Jesus. We thank you for your, Lord, how patient and merciful you are towards us. Lord, we give you praise. We thank you that we and our whole household shall be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't you love, like, the, the heart of God in that story? Just keeping her alive so she can hear the gospel and be saved. You know, Greg was, uh, he went to Turkey, and he, he told, and they were ministering to Iranian refugees in Turkey. And there was an Iranian woman there who had been in prison because of her faith. And he, tell, he told the story of uh, this woman, this Iranian Christian that was in prison, there was a woman who was sentenced to be hanged. And for other reasons, she, this woman wasn't a Christian, and, and she couldn't get to this woman to share the gospel with her. And so she prayed, Lord, don't let her die before she hears the gospel. And so she went out. They, they took this other woman out to be hanged. They hung her, but she didn't die. 
They brought her back to her cell. She couldn't, she still couldn't reach her to share the gospel with her. Second day, they're like, all right, we're going to try again. They tried to hang this woman a second time. She didn't die. Took her back to her cell. This Iranian Christian woman was able to somehow get to her or got put in the same cell with this woman. She shared the gospel with this woman. And this woman received Jesus into her heart. The next day, they took her out to be hanged. And when they had the, the news, she, she told the, the captors, she said, no, I'll do it. And she put her head through the news at total peace. And she died that third time that she was on the attempted hanging. And so how, what does that show you about the heart of God? Just how merciful and how good and how powerful he is and how he can do anything. He can do anything. And, and this woman just had that one crap because she had the love of God in her heart for this other woman that he was able to move. So I just love that. Um, this morning I want to talk about why do we gather together? Why do we do, why do, we do this, what we're doing right now? And um, this comes out of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 28. And more and more um, in the Western church, like gathering together is, for all kinds of different reasons, is happening less. And so there's just, it's, it's kind of complicated. And then it's also not kind of compli it's not complicated. Um, but we're going to go into this. Why, why do we do this? Why do we get together? Why do we, we take time out on a Sunday morning? when we could be doing other things and get together as believers to worship together and to break open the word together. So there's 10 reasons. I forgot to cite the article. Um, but I got this from, uh, I think it was the Gospel Coalition. But they had this article, 10 reasons even committed church attenders are attending less. Number one is greater affluence, meaning uh, probably, I, I know for me, I was talking to Jessica the other day, when I was growing up, there was, I was middle class, and most of my friends were middle class, and now my kids, their group seems to be more upper middle class. So it, I think the middle class, there's people are either um, migrating towards being poor or becoming richer, I, I think the middle class is disappearing some. And so part of it is just greater affluence. Like when you have money, you got more options, right? You don't have, you're not as in great of, your need isn't as um, clear before you. That's why in Revelation 3, Jesus is speaking to the church, and he says, you say you're rich, but you're, but you're really poor. You say you're clothed, but you're naked. You say you can see, but you're blind. And he's, and this is, this is kind of what I'm getting at here. Secondly, there's a high, higher focus on kids' activities. This kind of connects in with number one. People can actually pay money, you know, thousands of dollars to put their kids in club sports, um, which a lot of times it's happening on the weekend. I don't really have this agenda against kids' sports or anything like that. Obviously, my kids are in sports, but when it's – it's just a, uh, where the priorities are at. And so when you think about your children, most of our kids at, at the most are going to play sports up until they're 22 if you're being generous. And then they have the rest of their life. They've got 60 more years. And so what are we building their, their identity upon? Is it upon their athletics or is it upon the Lord? I love athletics. I love sports. But it, it, is, a, it is a priority thing that, we, that we're talking about. There's more travel. You got more money, you can travel more. You can go to different places. 
And, and we, it's, just a, it's just a more mobile society that we live in. When my dad left for college, for, for Barry College from South Georgia, he had never left um, South Georgia before. I mean, they, they went to go see family in Moultrie, and that was like a big deal, and that was about 30, 20, 30 minutes away. But he had never gone further north than like maybe two counties up above him. And that one, he was 18 years old. I didn't get on my first airplane until I was 18. And I know some of y'all, y'all, I mean, Zuri's on her first airplane at nine days old. You know, so we're just more mobile. And we're, we have a, a, a bigger, we're more global. Like the world's more, we're more connected with the world. There's blended and single parent families. So you're having to travel, share kids on the weekends. Uh, we have more online options. You can live stream church services, uh, teachings, podcasts, all that kind of stuff. And then there's a cultural disappearance of guilt, okay? Now, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, but part of what uh, brings you to, that, to the cross is the recognition of, I'm guilty, <laughs> right? That's what sin does. It points out that I need a savior. I need somebody. I need. So when, what happens is when guilt or shame comes from sin, and then we go to the cross, we, we take that to Jesus, and he takes it from us. And so um, just being like, when we, when we throw away guilt in the sense of, oh, that's, that can't be from God or anything like that, then we throw away probably repentance with it as well. And repentance is where we actually get to come into the presence of the Lord. Some of the best times with the Lord is when I've been asking for forgiveness of my sin because I, you experience his mercy and his goodness in those times. But our whole culture is based on, you can't make me feel bad. You're making me feel bad right now. You can't do that. We, we shoo that away. We shoo that away. And I get it. There's, there's condemnation. There's, there's people operate in, a, in like a spirit of condemning and judgmentalism. I understand that. But there's also this thing where we dismiss everything as like it's not a big deal, not a big deal, not a big deal. And we, we become desensitized to the Holy Spirit's conviction. Uh, we have self-directed spirituality. Nobody tells me what to do. Even if I'm a Christian, I've got my own relationship with God. Again, yeah, you, it's, there's, it, there's these things that are, that are truths, that are, that are twists. It's like you do have your own relationship with God, but you're part of a family. You're a part of the body of Christ. And so you, you really aren't a lone rager. You're really not by yourself. You really don't just affect yourself. You're corporate. Even what I do in secret is going to affect Brian because what I carry in my heart gets on other people, right? Defilements and blessings work the same way. When I'm, when I'm full of joy and, I'm, and peace and righteousness, then it spills over onto you. But if I'm full of other things, if I'm full of hiding and, and darkness and whatever else that spills onto you, and and sometimes you can feel that. I mean, have you ever gone into a, a dark place where people, where a lot of people operating in darkness? You feel the darkness. You feel the environment. Raise your hand if you've ever felt that. Raise your hand if you've ever gone into a home or a place. You're like, man, this feels good in here. This like, like this, you know, it's, it's the same thing with people. It's because the people are in there. It's not the place. It's what the people are bringing. And so you bring with you blessing. You bring with you light or you bring with you darkness. If we're in Christ, we're called to walk in the light. Uh, the eighth thing is just a failure to see a direct benefit. And that's part of why I'm talking about this is that a lot of the things that happen are not directly this fruitful things like, hey, I went to church and I got a, I got a remote today. It's not these concrete things that you can see. It's these things that happen in the spirit. And you have to understand the ways of the Lord. In order, in, under, in order to understand what is happening, nine, 
we value attendance over engagement. And so when we're not really plugged in, it's not a big deal if we miss because nobody's missing us. That's kind of how we think. And then 10, there's just a massive cultural shift happening in the West where um, you just do your own thing. There's, it's, it's just a even more independent mindset and not a corporate mindset. So do you attend to a, a church or do you belong to a church? What I mean by that is are you part of the family? Are you engaging? When you, when you raise kids, part of them becoming part of the family is they, can, they make contributions. So Josiah, he's, he's got trash duty. The girls got horse and goat duty. Everybody's got kitchen duty. Um, and then if the girls aren't around Josiah, he'll feed, he'll feed the animals. If Josiah's not around the girls, they'll take the trash out. And so it's not like, well, that's not my job. I don't, I don't do that. It's like, well, we just do whatever's needed. Even though we might have assigned tasks, you just get in there and you do what's needed. And that's really what family does. Everybody's making a contribution, mom and dad and, and all the kids. And, um, and I think part of finding the value in church is understanding you have a contribution. You make a contribution even when you come and you just worship. And so Hebrews 10, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So when we gather together, number one, we, we recognize that the veil's been torn. So when we worship together, we have to first believe that we're actually entering into the presence of the Lord. It's like, hey, man, we're coming together. It's like we're, just imagine like we're, we're holding hands. It's like we're going, to, we're going to the temple together. We're going to the temple. We're coming to worship the Lord. And, I under, and the church, I understand, is not defined by, hey, did you, we say, did you go to church, right? And that's not really accurate. We are the church. The church is wherever two or three or more are gathered together. But the question is when you're getting, and so you say, I don't go to Sunday church, man, but, I, you know, I'm getting, I do church during the week, and I, I'm like, that's, that's awesome. But when, you, when you're getting with, together with other Christians, are you worshiping? Are you opening the word together? Are you ministering to one another? Are you meeting the needs of one another? If you're watching the Georgia football game together, that's awesome, but it doesn't count as church, like worshiping the Lord. I love that. I love having people over to watch a game and stuff like that, but it's not church because we're not worshiping the Lord. I'm not ministering the word to my brother or to my sister. And so that's the very first thing is like we have to, we worship together. You bring your worship to a meeting, wherever it's at, if it's here, if it's somewhere else. You bring your worship. So like your, your time with the Lord your time in his presence. You remember Moses came off the mountain and his face would glow, right? In the presence of the Lord. And so imagine yourself like that. You spend time with the Lord and you bring the presence with you. You bring the presence. And so firstly, you know, are we stewarding our, our personal relationship with the Lord? And then when we get together, I'm bringing that my personal time, my personal relationship to the table. Because the things that I might, the Lord might speak to me might be a blessing to you. The things that you, the Lord speaks to you might be a blessing to me. That's why I love the call to war meetings. And we'll get in there and, and we just, I mean, we really, we, you know, like guys typically do is like, let's show up and see what happens. That's, that's what we do. But we, it's always goes to a, to me, to a deep place, to an encouraging place, to an edifying place. 
and and it's it's good. I, I, guys just love to chop it up like that. And then we pray for our families. And so I'm I'm blessed because other men are like, hey man, this is what God's done. This is what God's been speaking to me. Let me tell you this testimony, just like what Phil shared. That's what builds us up. Is like you bring it. He's like, man, God, God can do that again. God can do that in my family. And so we first believe we're coming before God in confidence by the blood of Jesus. Jesus's flesh was torn that the veil may be torn. So we have access to the Father with confidence and with a sincere heart. But this is the thing about coming into the presence of the Lord. No flesh can stand before God or it will die. <laughs> the spirit and the flesh cannot coexist. So even in Exodus 33, the Lord told Moses, he said, no man can see me and live. No man can see me and live. How does that translate into our life? Is that when we come into the Lord, he's going to purge everything that hinders his love. And so, so many times in the New Testament, there's a contrast between the spirit and the flesh. And so when we come into the presence of the Lord, he's going to encourage us, he's going to build us up, and he's also going to show us the things that need to die. So for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So it says they cannot exist together right here through this, this scripture. Galatians 5.16, I'm just going to read this to you. It says, I say, walk by the Spirit and you'll not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. So the Lord, in Corinthians it says, God is spirit. And so when we come into his presence, we're going to become more like him, but that old man of us is going to, is going to fade away and die. And here's uh, Exodus 33. Moses, he just gets to that point in leadership where he's just like, I'm done with like this, I can't handle it anymore. I just need you, God. And he says, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And the Lord responded. He said, Moses, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here's a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I'll put you in the cleft of the rock, and I'll cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I'll take away my hand, and you shall see my back but my face shall not be seen. Now, Paul talks about that this rock is Jesus Christ. When we're hidden in Christ, we can actually come before God. We can come before the Father, just like Moses did on, on the mountain, except we have a greater covenant than Moses did. We have even greater glory. If Moses came down with glory in his face, Paul says we have an even greater covenant than that. So I'm like, I asked the Lord, I'm like, Lord, so there's a place where maybe our whole bodies will be in glory, like shining from his presence as a New Testament believer. I think that's possible because we have a greater covenant. So Jesus is the right hand of God, and he is the cleft in the rock. So in the Psalms in particular, so Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. So when you read in the Old Testament, it talks about the right hand of God. Think about it talking about Jesus. All right? And so you have Psalm 60, verse 5. It says that your beloved ones may be delivered. Give salvation by your right hand and answer us. How does salvation come to us? Through Jesus. Psalm 98, 1. O oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he's done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. 
Psalm 108, verse 6, that your beloved ones may be delivered, give salvation by your right hand. Psalm 118, verse 15, glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. So in Christ, we have this access to the Father. Now, we go back to Hebrews chapter 10. It gives us a model of what, when we get together, what it's supposed to look like. We hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So it gives this, this model of meet. We meet together. We confess to one another. We stir each other up. We encourage and we repeat. And so when we meet together, it's important that we meet together. And there and there's, can be warfare around this. It can be warfare in your mind. I said where a lot of the warfare is. It's every, if, if every um, believer, let me, let me go back. If just the majority of believers, if, if our thinking was in line with the Lord, we would totally bind any principalities and powers in a region because they would be dethroned of their power. We empower these principalities through, our, through our, the way we think. That's why in 2 Corinthians 10 it says, we, the weapons of our warfare are powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And these fortresses are these thoughts that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And so when we, when we come into alignment, we think the way the Lord thinks. When we renew our minds, we actually disempower principalities because they, they only have the power that, we, that humans give them. They can only have as much power as we agree with them. And so just simply by a corporate renewing of our minds, we can actually cast down principalities. We don't have to do a march around the city, although the Lord may tell you to do that. I'm just saying, when, you, when, our, change, when our thinking changes and it becomes more aligned with heaven, then the devil, he loses power. So some of the other reasons why it's important we meet together and, and reasons why there's warfare around it is that you're creating a culture for your children. If, if you're not meeting with the church, if you're not gathering with believers to worship and open the word together, ultimately you have people watching you. And, these are, and if you have children, it's your children. I grew up going to church every Sunday, and it was in a religious system. But even that, even with my family, we were looking at our watches. Falcons game is coming, it's coming on 1230. We, he hasn't stopped preaching. It's 1210. Even, even thinking like that, having thinking like that growing up, my parents we went to church every Sunday and then instilled this value in me. It's like, this is important. Even in my parents, even we're looking at our church, at our watches, that there's something valuable in it. And I caught by osmosis, not because I was seeking the Lord, but I caught so many things simply by being, hearing the word preached. Even though I'm playing tic-tac-toe and hangman on the last row. I'm Raise your hand if you play hangman in church. All right, here we go. Even though my, my parents were in the choir and I'd be talking to them with my buddy and I'd see him like looking at me. And I'd, and I'd straighten up. All right, mom and dad. All right, I got H. What do you got? And, you know, and, then you, and so that was, that was how we lived. But what I would do every Sunday, I would hear the word. How did I know in college when I was and all kinds of sexual immorality when I was having sex with my girlfriends. How did I ever know that that was wrong? Because I never had a birds and the bees talk. How did I know that was wrong? It's because I heard. How did I know the Bible was the infallible word of God? 
I never got sat down and told that. How did I know about Joshua? How did I know about Jesus feeding the multitudes? We didn't do family devotionals. How did I know that? Now, this isn't to say, parents, your main job isn't to uh, teach your children in the ways of the Lord. What I'm saying is God, God is faithful even with the little. And so these things of, of being, being around the word, knowing that's important to contribute. My parents, they were in the choir. They did things in the church, even though we wanted to get home and watch the Falcons game. They are still contributing to the community, the church community. It's important that we meet together because we encourage one another. We bring our contribution, our faith, our service. And so if you need some encouragement, how many of y'all ever been around Ann Evans for like longer than two minutes? Have you been encouraged? Yes. How many of you have been around Jeremy Aiken for longer than two minutes? Have you been encouraged? Yes. That's, that's part of what they bring to the table. How many of you, so you see that David Ray serving our church every Sunday. He's, he's happy to take the trash out. He, he likes taking the trash out. At least I, I, I think so, David. I mean, you always do it with a smile on your face. And so we got... Uh, Lauren Brown Pulliam serving. They serve in the kids' ministry. They, they help break down. They help clean up. Brian's always willing to lend me tools, you know, all that kind of service. Teaching. Phil's an amazing teacher. Janice is an amazing teacher. Brittany is an amazing teacher. So they bring, they bring their contribution. You need some courage? What did Phil do when he was needing some, some courage? He called Greg Goldcap. Greg Goldcap's going to give you some courage. He's going, to, he's going to be your head coach in your ear. I mean, Greg just needs to find a job where he gives pep talks. And so <laughs> you need courage. Talk to Elliot. Elliot, he's got a lot of faith. All right? You need courage. Just get around Megan McGahee. Megan may not give you the pep talk, but she's just like, yeah, let's just go into that really dark place. We'll be fine. <laughs> you need pastoral care. My wife is one of the best at it. Laura Pulliam, she'll wipe your tears. And that was about, well, and your, I was going to say, and your fanny if you're a little, little kid, you know, but... I'm telling you, I don't know what the Lord was thinking when he made me a preacher. So anyway, um, generosity, the Galtneys, Lori Scott, they're bringing their contribution. You want loyalty and dependability? Look no further than Chris Davis. We all bring a contribution to the table. We're a family. We all, need each, we all need one another. And so when we gather together, I'm blessed by what all these people, and, and the people I didn't mention, what everybody's bringing to the table here. We, we, uh, we meet together, and then we confess to one another. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. So this, this is given the idea that our conversations need to be hope-filled for he who promised is faithful. So we confess the hope of the gospel to one another through testimonies, giving wisdom, revelation, being strengthened by our brothers and sisters. So again, what is your contribution? What do you bring into the table? We spur one another on. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good work. So this word stir literally means, imagine putting spurs on your cavalry boots and doing this. You know, I'm, if Frank got on my back and he's just like, come on, Travis, come on. And, and it's like spurring me, 
remember the Lord, Travis. Remember what the Lord said. And so it's like, whoa, oh, yeah, whoo. Yeah, I remember, Frank. And, uh, and so that's what, that's the, that's the image it's given. It's just like this, it's not like a, you know, just a, it's a, ooh, like a, you goose somebody. And you, it's kind of like this thing that wakes you up a little bit. That's what it means to spur one another on to love and the good deeds. So we spur people on in the, in the kingdom works. And, and Jesus said, I tell you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these he, will he do because I'm going to the Father. So we incite people for good. We provoke people to do good. We encourage one another. The word encourage is this word parakaleo. And this means to call to one side and to call to, uh, to summon as a help. Guess what the Holy Spirit's name is? The paraclete or the paracletos. So the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our encourager. He's our comforter. He's the spirit of truth. And when we gather together, Holy Spirit uses us to fulfill his ministry to one another. Now, Hebrews has a warning against nominal Christianity and against basically not being accountable to a family. And it says, for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Now, sinning deliberately is the key phrase. But a fearful expectation of judgment and the fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So the warning is, is what happens with compromise is, is compromise starts as a, a little thing. It starts as, I won't do this. I mean, you can, we can all trace something in our life where it's like we start to form a habit. And it just starts off as like, I won't do it this day. And it's like, hey, you know what? Didn't hurt yesterday when I didn't do it. We'll do it again. And because it doesn't hurt immediately, we keep doing it, even though we might know it's, it's not the best thing for us. And Paul said all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And so when you uh, ignore the promptings of the Lord, we can get hard and callous to those things, to the, and we can just start making up our own stories about how, what the Lord thinks about it. And so that's why it's always, always important to judge our thoughts and actions by the Word of God. It says, Hebrews 4.12, it says, The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides between bone and marrow, soul and spirit, and it's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of our heart. So when we, when we are reading the Word and we're praying over the Word, what happens is we allow God to separate what is soul or what is flesh and what is spirit? What is of him? What is of us? And so it's, it's whether you get, you know, I, I get up early in the mornings on many days to uh, go train. So I have to find another time to get with the Lord. If, I have a, if, if I'm stacked all day, then I, I'll play my audio Bible or whatever it is but I try to find some way to get the word in me because I know that it's going, it's, it's like seed and it doesn't return void. It's going to bear fruit in my life. And so, um, and then I, it's not only about getting the word in us, but it's also taking a moment to pause and let the Lord speak to you. 
many, many years ago, I was giving the Lord an earful, which is rare because I'm not a, uh, I'm not a loquacious person. And so I was giving the Lord an earful and he, and he interrupted me. He said, listen, you need to hear from me a lot more than I need to hear from you. Because one word from the Lord can just cut through whatever issue you have. And so make time to hear from the Lord. Ask Lord questions about his word. And so, like I said, this isn't the only place that we do church. We do church in the homes. We do church other places. We do church in the streets. It's wherever we gather together is where church is. But are we worshiping together? Are we sharing the word? Are we ministering to one another? Are we stirring one another up? Are we encouraging one another? Or are you outside of any of that? Have you isolated yourself from that? Because it, it can start to have a numbing effect on you. And so it's important to get plugged in. Get plugged in. We're, you know, we, uh, we have the women's gatherings. We have the men's gatherings. I'm telling you, the best way to get plugged in is to start serving. Start serving. Make a contribution. And know that you bring something to the table. Just like I called these, these handful of people out, every one of you has those types of treasures in you. And the Lord wants you to use you to bless other people. It's, it's what I love about Jesus is wherever he's at, is like whenever you, you minister to somebody in the streets or you share a word with somebody that encourages them, it's like if I, had, if I gave Brian a word and Jesus is here with us, even though I'm the one giving Brian the word, Jesus is here, so we're both blessed. Like I get full by ministering because Jesus is here, and I'm just cooperating with Jesus. But if Jesus is over there wanting to give a word to Brian, and he's like, Travis, he's, like, you know, he's looking at me like, give a word to him, give a word. And I'm like, no, I'm good, I'm good. Then I miss out on the blessing because that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus said, I don't do, I can only do what I see my father doing. So the way Jesus operated, he saw his father over there healing this blind man. He's like, I'm going, I'm coming with you, Father. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do what you're doing. And he said, Jesus, I'm over here feeding uh, 5,000. Yes, sir, I like that. I'll come over here. He feeds 5,000. Jesus said, I can do nothing apart from the Father. And so when we minister, it's the same way. I get blessed because Jesus is there. You get blessed because Jesus is there. But it takes our, our response and are following the Lord in those things. All right, let's stand up. You got anything, honey? Lord, I thank you for the church. I thank you that the church was your idea, Lord. This was your idea, Lord. I thank you that, uh, Lord, the early church... They met from house to house, breaking bread, worshiping, and they also went to the temple to worship together, Lord. Father, I thank you that there is not a there's not an either or mentality with you. It's a both and more mentality with you. And Father, I just bless every person here to see themselves the way you see them as a blessing, and as a contribution. I pray that you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Help us understand, Lord, that the most simple thing that we bring to the table is a tremendous blessing. Simple, Lord, doesn't mean not valuable. So I thank you, Father. I thank you for what you're doing in our church, I thank you for what you're doing in the city and the body of Christ at large. Lord, I pray for that you would awaken our hearts. I pray that you would awaken us as a church, that you would awaken the city, that you would awaken the body of Christ, God. Lord, we agree with the, the words of the prophets about 
just the th third great awakening coming to America, Father. We agree with the words spoken through many mouths, Father, about revival coming to Athens. We say yes, God. Yes, Lord. And Lord, we know it's in agreement with your heart that you love to pour out your spirit. You long that everyone sh should call upon your name and be saved. You don't wish that any should perish. So, Lord, we just say with confidence, yes, to these words. Yes, God. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Come and establish your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I pray that you'd give us the heart to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto us, Lord. But that we would be about one thing, that we would have dove's eyes, Lord. We would focus on one thing, seeking you and your kingdom. Give us your grace, Jesus, to follow hard after you. Put your fire in us, your holy fire in us, God, again. We thank you for it. Amen. So our uh, worship team will come on up. And our ministry team, if you'll come over to the side, if you'd like to receive any prayer, our ministry team's over here to pray with you. If you need physical healing of any kind or just somebody to agree with you in prayer about something. If you need to confess something, confession is powerful. Just saying, hey, I'm, I'm struggling. But I encourage you to be as specific as possible when you confess because there's power in getting things in the light. I had one guy, he said, he said, I'm struggling with purity. I was like, well, there's a lot of things that deal with purity. So can you tell me a little bit more? And he was struggling with uh, pornography. And that was a breakthrough day for him because he called it what it was. Instead of just kind of still hiding under the, the guise of purity, just come, just come into the light, call it what it is, because the Lord knows and, and you'll, you'll get free.